and then we just then we come back to a fundamental principle and we try to apply it, and then we have new insight, and then we get to go deeper, right? And then it becomes a whole new experience, a whole new exercise, and then we love it. Okay, so I always talk about Pilates as being like an onion, right? You just the better you get at it, the harder it gets mm -hmm. in some ways. Like the more knowledge you have about your body, the more understanding, the deeper you want to go, the more mysteries start to you know, keep surfacing, which is pretty cool. Which is why it's fairly easy to be excited about it for a long time. And when you stop getting excited about it, come back and read it a little bit and see if there's a spark still. Anybody else? Anything else? Questions, insights, things that you read that you felt surprised by or didn't agree with? Let me read to you. Here, um, here are some of the things that I pulled out of the book that kind of made an impression on me. And then we can see what this is the list, general impressions. Um, let me just read this list and we'll go back to these questions. So uniformly developed body. And this is like verbatim out of the book, most of this. Constantly strive to acquire strong, healthy bodies and develop our minds to the limit of our ability. To the limit of our ability. This is something that I feel like is often lacking for us as teachers, is that we become overly cautious. We become um, a little mm -hmm. bit nervous about keeping people safe. Um, we become a little uh, unwilling, whether that's on purpose or not, to push people, mm -hmm. right? This is a generalization, not everybody. But, but that he really wanted you to push yourself, to work, to work hard, right? Develop our bodies and minds to the limit of our ability. I feel like that tells me that I have a responsibility to show people what their potential is in every given moment, right? It's a little bit like don't take no for an answer, right? It's, it's not work unsafely. It's not push people beyond where they're, they're willing to go, but give them, give them the experience that they can go further than they think, right? It's like how people come in with low back pain, which is like 80% of our population, and we are totally unwilling to take them into extension. Or we go, oh, we've got to do this and do this and do this and do all these other things, and then maybe we'll do a little extension. How are you going to strengthen the back if you don't do extension? You know, it's like, don't just, like, don't be afraid to see what the body's potential is. And again, I'm not saying work unsafely. Don't, don't do things that don't feel good for people. Do them appropriately. Follow the progressions, right? Make sure they have awareness. But don't avoid, don't avoid the shoulder because it, it's had an injury. Don't avoid extension because the back has pain. And it's like, you have to, you have to be willing to, to go there. And then you have to be willing to get people to work at their edge, right? And, and to see what the potential is in the body. Because my experience is that with most people that come into the studio, they're, they're coming in injured. They've been in pain, so there's fear, there's resistance, there's sometimes combativeness, you know? And so I feel like, ah, uh, you know, you want to handle them with kick gloves a little bit, but 
I think that we can get stuck in that place and, and not really willing to, like the method is like, work hard. Breathe deeply. <laughs> Squeeze every atom of air out. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Which is not like, <sighs> you know? It's not like, you know, tends, can be a little bit soupy and like, that is fine. That is fine. That is not a judgment. That is just like, acknowledge when you're living there. Right? And you're not continuing to progress people, which is also a case for working with the original orders in whatever way you see fit, right? Pieces of them or parts of them or when it's appropriate because they push you, right? Holy hell, how many times, how many exercises on the long box and in the short box and the back on the long box are we going to do? It's hard. It's like work, work, keep working, keep working. No, you don't get to stop. Keep working, keep working, keep working. Yeah. And, and within that, we're being safe and we're watching and we're deciding, you know, what's, what's okay and how it's going. But, you know, come on. <laughs> Get your butt in here. Move yes. up a little bit. People <laughs> are just inherently lazy, too. You know, people People are not. Especially now. Yeah, and it's, it's... They don't even know. It's such an interesting psychological thing. But they can do this. Know. When they never even consider it. Yeah. I think we lack this internal motivation pretty strongly, most yeah. of us. Yeah. There's no sense of dedication and discipline. Because we have so many people say, like, I'm not going to do this at home. Yeah. I come here because you yeah. can do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And, and that's what's really, I mean, no. how many of us <laughs> always do this stuff at home? And how about sit up straight on your computer for 10 minutes? Yeah. That's what I say. Or take a deep breath 10 minutes a day. Yeah. Stickers. They are. They are. So that, you know, there's other ways than just lying on the mat. Yeah. Well, functionality is integrated. Yeah. Pilates has taken way the therapeutic post rehabilitation Mm -hmm. route. Which is awesome, yeah, and fine, and yeah. great, and it has its place, and and it's wonderful for some people, yeah, right. And I feel like we can be attuned to that, and we can be deliberate about what we create, right, in our spaces or in our work for what we want, what kind of teaching we want to do, and that we can be aware of working with injury and we can be aware of when people need a little less or you know give them permission to make those choices but also do not let them off the hook so damn easily and I feel like I I've spent some years in that place because I was lazy and not enjoying my teaching as much but it's like and I can do all that I can really do all that stuff you know I can do it really well but it's, it, but it's easy yeah, and it's, it is, it's like, people don't want to pay you to just lay there. Some of them, some of them do, but it's like, we need to be clear, is all. Again, it's not about right and wrong, it's just about clarity, about choosing how we're going to approach this method. And even if we approach it from a therapeutic point of view, that don't let people off the hook so easily. That's right. You know, it's just like, there's too much of that. There's too much of that in ourselves, right? Just like, oh, well, I guess maybe I'm not going to do that. 
I'm not going to do my home practice. And, you know, just, I'm just not going to do that. It's like, really? Well, you know you're not going to reach your goals. <laughs> you know you're going to go do that. I mean, you know, you could say it in your yeah. kind, compassionate, <laughs> diplomatic way, but yeah. But when so, you hear someone and they do do like their first, like my experience with this one woman was she did her first roll up, like all the way, no spring, no assistance, no anything. And she like didn't know what to do. She was like looking at me like, yes, <laughs> like, yeah, that was good, you know? And like it's that moment when they just break through, it makes all that struggle and hard work and then they want to do more. And then it's like the next time she came in, she's like, okay, like I don't want to just do foam rolling and stretching. I'm 67 right. and I want to do another roll up. And, right. and she does them and she's awesome and it's so cool. Because it is therapeutic yeah. to work mentally yes, too, to work I mean, yes which right. is seems she's capable of right. now it's like i can do this and i can go and tell my friends like i can do this and you can't i mean she mm -hmm. really does she walks around <laughs> with her like 65 year old friends yeah well it is a little bit of this 10, 10 yeah. minutes a day right do it 10 minutes a day do it like really do it mm -hmm. and then you want to do more of it well the crazy thing is she only comes in for 30 minutes she comes in for 30 minute sessions because that's what she can afford, and that's what I'm willing to do for her. For her. But it's a parallel. But it's mm -hmm. twice a week, and it's consistent, and it's awesome. So it's when you don't let people off the hook so easily, when you demand that they perform to a certain degree, right? And maybe that's not even the right way to say it, but that you get them to acknowledge if they're working at their edge or not, right? And every day, that's a that's a different choice. You're either gonna do it or you're not. But that you say you have the you have the potential to push your edge because that's how you're going to move forward. That's how you're going to progress. If you don't take that point of view, then it can be you just you are letting them off the hook, and there is not progression, right? And then there's boredom, and then there's like, eh, I don't know, I'll spend sixty bucks on this, like, eh, I'll go do yoga, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or go pay somebody to jump rope. This is where I'm at right now. Like my advanced students, I have no problem just getting them exactly where they want to go. We're sweating, we're moving the whole time. I'm not there. Um, and then those my my non-advanced students, I find myself being not as I don't know, not as strict with them or something. And just in the last maybe four weeks, a little bit, I'm feeling like tough shit. Like we're here to work. <laughs> so I'm glad we're having this conversation because I'm just. Finding this like it's easy to work the people that can that are advanced, yeah. and yeah. it's easy to be uh, unnecessarily gentle with people that just aren't advanced yes. yet. Right. Yep. And it's not saying don't be don't be safe and wise and right. don't use your knowledge and don't you know do all of that. Mm -hmm. Progress people appropriately. Right. But just yeah, like like we're gonna try a teaser today. <gasps> Mm -hmm. I bet you can do it. It's like they just need to know they can do it, yeah. right? It's just that it's like they don't believe that they can do it. Mm -hmm. I actually snuck with this same lady into teaser without her even knowing it. She yeah. was doing like an assisted push up with the push through bar, and I was like, okay, now lift your legs on the tabletop. Now straighten your legs, and she was like, like shaking. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, you're doing teaser. She's like, what? I'm like, yeah, you're, you're doing something yeah. that's pretty hard and advanced yeah. and people that are in their 20s and think they're amazing but can't do. And she loved that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I think you have to send the energy though. Yes. 
that's really what it's all about is when they come in, whether it's a math class or just a private or whatever, you have to set the energy immediately. Yes. And then it's all success after that. Because if you let them take over, or even a little bit, and then you start getting into what they're, you know, talking, yeah. slowing you down, yeah. then it all goes down the hill. But so then right away, you're not focused. Right away, there's no concentration. They don't have a choice of you guys. You know, they walk in the door and like, you. Like, That's good. Like, well, I love that. Like, I just, you know, and it's hard because if we, we're teaching, you know, I'm teaching four girls, and she's got two girls in the studio at the same time. It's like, we're moving through lots of different equipment, right? Well, we always like just the basic, basic, you know, super hard. Or like, yes. That's well, my thing. We're pulsing it. And yeah. like, we always say, you can go back to your former one for a super advanced client, and it's hard. I know, it's my hard clients, work. they do that. They were like, could you yeah. take us out of your former three now? We want to go back to one. We like one, because they know it, and they know the routine, because we're used to that, and they're like, they're successful, and it feels good. And then you switch them up, and you're like, control front, control back, we're going to twist and take, and they're like, shh, we want to go back to the fun, the stuff that was like easier. I'm like, nope, you got to keep moving on. Yeah. You know? But you can go back to the beginning. Yeah, totally. In this way of peeling the layers away. Yeah. And you can do all the beginning stuff mm -hmm. and have it just be like, okay, do it this way. Yeah. Do it with this focus. Bring this attention to it. Yeah. That's right. It's flipping on. Yeah. And there is something, well, we'll talk about this after lunch, but um, the value of repetition and consistency, right? That meditative quality of like, hey, here I go again. Like, I'm resistant to it. I don't like it, right? I'm bored. It's like, but you have an opportunity to go deeper, right? Because you don't have to think about the choreography anymore. Yeah. You know it. You can just, you can allow your body to do it, and you can be present for so much more, right? I think that's, to me, that's the thing that I'm finding so valuable in working with the orders, even though I rarely do like the entire program. I usually work with like chunks, right? Series. Um, but that when you're in that, you can just be in it. You're not thinking about what comes next or what creative weird thing I'm gonna add on or, mm -hmm. you know, no fancy, you know, something from something I got somewhere, you know, over here. It just, it's just this. It's this thing that you know, but do it this way. And do, and now, you know, go deeper and go deeper and work harder and then it just explodes and opens. So there's, a, there's something about that, creating that framework, right, that consistency. You know what to expect so that you can open yourself up to all kinds of new stuff, right, and new potential mm -hmm. and new learning and new strength mm -hmm. and new flexibility. Okay, so just to continue with this list, because I stopped on number two. <laughs> the spontaneous zest and pleasure, which I always think is funny and awesome at the same time. The play. He talks a lot about play, right? Playing, happiness, playfulness. Pleasurable living. Corrects wrong postures, restores physical vitality, invigorates the mind, and elevates the spirit. And there it is. <laughs> Suppleness, natural grace, and skill that will be unmistakably reflected in the way you walk, in the way you play, and in the way you work. Right? Real life, real life. It's Pilates is for real life. It's not just something you do in the gym. Right? It is to improve your life. <clears throat> One of the major results of contrology is gaining the mastery of your mind over the complete control of your body. One of the major results 
of controlology is, is gaining the mastery of your mind. Okay, so it's not like, it's not buried, right? It's pretty upfront, it's pretty overt what, what he meant. I have, a, I have a client that I've worked with now for about a year, and she's 77, and she had a stroke five years ago. Mm, yeah. And so she loves Pilates, and she pushes herself to do, she lets me challenge her, and she really wants that this exact uh, statement, gaining the mastery of your mind over the complete control of your body, because she's lost that control through her stroke. So she understands and is grateful for her mind and wants to cause that stimulation. So this is great. Yeah, it is amazing. And, you know, it's so true. If you look at some of the work that um, the, there's a couple of teachers and Elizabeth Larkin are doing the program Heroes in Motion with the, um, with the injured vets, right, who are often missing a limb and in wheelchairs and all kinds of things. It's like, you know, like just anything's possible, right? It's, it's body and mind. The only unchanging rules you must con conscientiously obey are that you must always faithfully and without deviation follow the instructions accompanying the exercises and always keep your mind wholly concentrated on the purpose of the exercise as you exercise as you perform them. Without deviation, right, wholly concentrated on the purpose. Uh, patience and persistence. Unalterable determination. Decide to remain true to yourself. I love that too. Because he talks about, I think, in your health, um, like it is your primary responsibility as a human being to fully embrace the health and vitality of your body. Like, if you're not attending to that, you are failing. I mean, that's the impression that you get. And, but yeah, I just, it, this, the reason I love this is like, remaining true to yourself. Yeah. Do it for you. Don't do it because your doctor told you to, or your best buddy is doing it, or because you want a nice butt. I mean, that's great. Everybody wants that. <laughs> but do it to remain true to yourself. Right? That's like, wow. Feels like a little bit more than exercise. Mm -hmm. That's right. Take care of yourself. Ten minutes without fail. Stir your sluggish circulation into action. <laughs> like that's the that's like that's the internal shower. That's the breathing, the pumping, bodily house cleaning with blood circulation. Yeah, yeah. So again, this this you know incredible breath. Squeeze the breath out. Use the breath. Pump the arms. You know, roll the spine. It's like, oh, get in there. Bring it all out. Juice it all up. Right? That's the whole. That's the whole point. I find it too when that happens, like where I go and I'm teaching, and we're just that's you know exercise with the breath is so we have such breathers in our place and hissers and stuff. So <laughs> it's totally when it starts to get hard, <laughs> you're like, oh yeah, I can tell Jen's working really hard. Like, okay. But I feel like we'll, you know, come up from an exercise and people are like, I'm like, okay, get your feet on the ground for a minute. Yeah. Everybody's always like, I'm dizzy. I'm like, it's because you're 
friggin' breathing like as much as you can breathe. Like breathe. And so other people kind of just get up okay, next time and like, well, you we weren't eating the restaurant over there, because I could tell. Yeah. You know, it just feels that way. Even to me sometimes like, wow. It's really breathing. <laughs> yeah. And it just makes me, it's not exactly this point, but it does make me think of um, I think sometimes what lacks in our teaching is that we we like to pull everything apart. And we do that at, sometimes out of necessity to break it down, right? To make it digestible. Uh, but we leave it apart, right? We leave it apart and then we start and stop. And we start and stop and then we do it and then we're like, oh God, stretch, oh, mm, oh okay, um, yeah, so my dog, you know? It's like, <laughs> You don't get to rest. Like if you need to rest, then rest. But you don't, do you really need to rest? You have a story that you need to rest. But you're probably not gonna die. So keep going, right? Which is, which is I think, important to, to notice. And uh, also, a call to make every movement count. So, transitions, particularly on the reformer, right? It's not do this, you know. It's something that's unavoidable, right? You gotta get up, get off, adjust, you know. But it's like, can you ask your students to see how present they can stay in between the exercises? Right? Stay present, stay active. Even when it is very possible, like doing the short box series, right? You're doing advanced abdominals and you're doing, you know, whatever you're doing, it's not like, oh, you know, it's like, cut that out. Just do it. And don't stop doing it, for heaven's sake. So come on. Don't just do the whole damn thing. I'll tell you when it's over. <laughs> you, I mean, you know, you can just stay in it. You can just stay in it and you can keep working. Because if you don't have that experience of what it's like to really apply the work, you don't know what your potential is. You don't know if you can do it or not. Then you just you just always like work hard, okay. Work hard and you say, well, sometimes yes. But not as much. It just makes me think of that. I don't know. Keeping the breath moving something, right? About staying present with it. To breathe correctly, you must completely exhale and inhale, always trying very hard to squeeze every atom of impure air from the lungs. Uh, at the POT in San Francisco that many of you were at with Jennifer Kreese, she said something about um, it's a warrior's breath. Mm -hmm. Silent warrior. Yeah, I was like, yeah. That was that resonates. That's very true. You know, strong and steady. It's not, you know, dramatic, but powerful. Uh, true heart control follows correct breathing. Never repeat the selected exercises more than the prescribed number of times. Muscle fatigue is poison. Mm -hmm. This is interesting, yeah. Yeah, what does that mean? What does that mean? 
powerful when you go, oh, I can do 100 and like see the results. But I don't have to do crunches. Yeah. You know, that traditional. So um, focus on quality. Quality, yeah. Versus quantity. Yeah. And when you do something right, it's going to be hard and challenging, but it shouldn't make you feel bad. I think most exercise in this in our society is um, punishment, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so when you come with that Penance. attitude that it has to be terrible mm -hmm. and awful, and you're sorry you ate the ice cream or whatever it was, and you have to be punished, you have to pay, you have to rent or whatever, I, that's what that says to me is that there's a difference between working hard and punishing yourself. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that muscle fatigue thing is more mind to me than actual body. It's like move because it feels good and because you can and you can get stronger. Don't move because you feel like you have to be punished. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it is interesting, isn't it, that he says something like this. Again, we see this kind of juxtaposition as if he's holding two truths at the same time. Right? So work hard, full potential, squeeze, you know, don't stop, dedication, you know, persevere, and then he's saying, don't overdo it. Mm -hmm. But that, maybe that's but, not what he meant. Which part? The muscular fatigue didn't, is poison doesn't come from working too hard, it comes from not working. Mm -hmm. How do we know that's what I'm not sure what we need. Well, Oh, you mean the word fatigue actually yeah. means something That's different? Right. I don't think I he, think right. maybe, I don't know, I've read that a bunch of this stuff, mm -hmm. but I don't think that's what he meant. Well, yeah. can, can we find the, oh. can we find, yeah, I mean, I'm willing to totally <laughs> see that. But he also talks about working your healthy bodies and developing to the limit of your ability. And so if you're pushing yourself, you're working really hard, but you're pushing past your limit, you're going to get muscle fatigue. I'm just saying he, that word is yeah. 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 maybe not translated correctly you know, from German to English. So my father-in-law is 80, I don't know, four, I believe, yeah. And he um, had a catheter put in, and he used to walk regularly, and he's, he's actually pretty vital. And when he got the catheter put in, you know, it pulled, it made him uncomfortable, so he just stopped walking. And then he starts sitting, and he starts sitting almost mm -hmm. all the day. Anyway, he's completely better right now. And he, he just, like, he, we tried to get him to do PT, you know, my I've read all these you can do all that. Anyway, long story short, he just can't even sit up. Mm -hmm. So that just, could be a form of fatigue. Yeah, so when you yeah. say that, I'm like, and when you see it, like, you almost can't believe that someone, mm -hmm. he's pretty healthy in his It's mm -hmm. so sad. And you just, yeah. 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 That makes sense. It does make a lot yeah. of sense. So I'm like, yeah. wow, that makes poison, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. But I think it feels like it's, it's potentially as equally as true. And either way, either way you look at it, it feels like relevant. Exactly. He's also talking about the 
which is what happens a lot of, of times, right? Is that we we get overly fatigued and all of a sudden we can't sustain the quality. And people right? look for that. The organization. There is a little something here and it says, most important in the matter of enjoying good recuperative sleep are quiet, darkness, fresh air, and mental calm. Nervousness is usually aggravated by a lack of proper exercise, especially in the case of one with a troubled mind. The best alleviate for this condition is exercise. So if your sleep is disturbed, rise immediately and perform your exercises. It is far better to be tired from physical exertion than to be fatigued by the poisons generated by nervousness while lying awake. Particularly beneficial in this regard are the spinal rolling and unrolling massage mm -hmm. exercises, which relax the nerves and induce sound restful sleep. I think there's another one, but there is one. Where's that one? Yeah, I found it too. What page? 31? Yeah, that's 31. Okay. So the... Um, in, if you have this book, the Millennium One, mm -hmm. it's on page 20. He says, uh, so if, okay, the whole paragraph is, in any particular part of your body is underdeveloped or shows an accumulation of excess fat, select contrology exercises specifically to correct the respective conditions, repeating the exercises as stated, uh, oh, at stated intervals throughout the workday whenever it is possible to do so. 10 minutes, mm -hmm. 25 times a day. Mm -hmm. However, be sure never to repeat the selected exercises more than the prescribed number of times since more harm will result than good by your unwittingly or unintentionally disregarding this most important advice and direction. Why? Because this infraction creates muscle fatigue, poison. There is really no need for tired muscles. Judicious selection of special contrology exercises will accomplish more for your health and bodily condition in conjunction with the foregoing advice than all else combined. So we, we talked a little bit just um, in the beginning about like this idea of judiciousness, right? Like of picking and choosing the exercises that are going to be most beneficial. So again, I feel like it's like do them all, all the time, follow the orders, consistency, consistency, and choose the ones that you know, like also feel free to be discerning. But it's also like do, 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 and then rest and stretch and yeah, don't over. Yeah, mm -hmm. so it's, it's, it's like it's pretty forgiving. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty forgiving. And I don't know. For a long time, I you know I feel like, and sometimes it feels true. It's like the classical approach often feels like unrelenting, unforgiving no discernment whatsoever, which is... If you read just the first... Well, just it, that, and it just, yeah. it tells me it just depends on who it's coming from. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which seems really obvious, but I think we get, we get very much in like, there's this camp and then there's this camp. There's this way of doing it, which is either the right or wrong way, or better way or less better. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then there's this yeah. other way, you know, so instead of like, can be this way and it can be this way. Well, and then you have to throw in the variable of the client that you're working with, right? Yeah. Uh, well, I think that's that. Yeah. I think that's the judiciousness, though. He's telling you, as the practitioner, yeah. pick and choose what feels most beneficial, and then do those consistently. It's like you don't have to. You don't have to like pistol with yourself, you know, to do all the exercises if you have spinal fusion. Right, or stenosis, or something where 
osteoporosis that actually prevents you from doing some of the exercises. Okay, don't do those. Yeah. Or find a way to hold the intent of those exercises and modify them. So I feel like he's at the same time giving us permission to be creative, be, be thoughtful and creative. Well, it's all about, I think it's really all about a holistic view on the whole body. And it's not just, you know, holding muscles. Or it's yeah. not, you know, it's not that. It's, it's balance. It's all a, a big, it's all balance. Yeah, yeah. all balance. Yeah. Mental and balance. And that goes balance. back to being very effective about, you know, how many reps you do and keeping it, you know, true to the form. Yeah. And I think that's what it's, you know, all about. Pilates is all about that. Like 
you know, as a generalization, no, you know, negativity intended, but like a big group class, right, in a gym, where it's like, it's just fitness, it's just, you know, exercise, there's maybe very little teaching. Yeah, a lot of rigor. Uh, rigor, intensity, fine, going through the exercises, but, but then maybe intention is lacking, right, awareness. So as a teacher, we can direct our students' attention to specific intentions, right, and doing the movement with certain intentions, which I feel like is the difference between teaching Pilates rigorously and teaching Pilates as exercise, which is really just exercise. It, it feels like it stops being Pilates like as a philosophy movement form. So I think just that rigor does not mean that there's, there's nothing else there, right? That there's no intention, that there's no thoughtfulness, that there's no clear direction. Like all, I think all that can be present, mm -hmm. right? And so that just that right. being clear, like what's the intention of the teacher? Where are they directing your attention? How do you do that as a teacher? And I would venture to guess, because I've seen Brent teach a kick-ass class, I've been in a class where he has brutalized us. Mm -hmm. So, and and I would say that you have to appreciate yourself and other teachers as dynamic, right? To at least give them the benefit of the doubt that they are dynamic, that they have the capacity and the ability, and perhaps the desire to teach in both ways. Yeah, you can have yeah. both at the same time. Yeah, and you can have precision yeah. and rigor at the same time. You can. Time. You well, can't, and or somebody you can, like, or you yeah. can have a rhythm. You can, know, and you can teach the way Madeline teaches, and you can teach the way Elizabeth Larkin teaches, uh, really on purpose. Because for right. you, it's like what I what I want you to get out of today, besides getting familiar with this text, is to just start to determine what's your point of view. Like, why do you do what you do the way you do it? And if you don't know, figure it out. Start to find out, right? So, so that these teachers that we're all learning from have different, very strong points of view, right? right? Jennifer Kreese has a very strong point of view. Brent has a very strong point of view. Elizabeth has at Madeline. It's like they're making the conscious effort within, to me, what feels like the intention and philosophy of the Pilates method. So. I also don't feel like it's an and or or. I feel like as a teacher, I want to be able to teach rigorously, and I want to be able to teach differently too. We do. I feel like in the morning, we have different clients coming in based upon like we have that group of people that like that yeah. type of style, and then as we go for our day, like our 12 o'clock clients, our 1 o'clock clients, like we don't <laughs> come in like that. Yeah. And by 5 o'clock, it's a Like, it is your life. 
like it's your life work, you know? Like you should feel this way about what you're teaching so that other people feel that and have that vigor and have and really feel like when you're teaching that it's you're connecting. And I don't feel like she was this bossy, I mean she was, she was hard. She but she was like with a smile, like it was like she just made you feel good about what you were doing, but also kicked your ass at the same time and then explained to you why. Like why this works and why she did it every single day. But everybody felt cohesive and felt good about the work, you know, because you're not gonna go home. It does yeah. take it to the next level. It does. And I would venture to guess that yeah. in her own studio, yeah, she's having quiet moments yeah. with students. So, so uh, she has a strong viewpoint, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we love a lot about it. Yeah. But does not mean you take it home and you practice that every day? And no. it doesn't mean it's this better. Be the right. No, it's just good to be open the box in here. It is good to be open to yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, and you can be open to that as much as you're open to Brent's style and Madeline's style, and and then you just you create your own viewpoint and a, an incredibly strong place to stand in your teaching, and then you bring to it all your nuances and all your opinions and all your you know all your stuff. Yeah. But it just feels like, yeah, I mean ultimately, looking at this text in order to see what is the intention. Right, and then are we teaching from that intention or not? When are we choosing to and when are we choosing not to? Let me pose some of these questions, the, the inquiry questions. Do you have a strong point of view on the work that you do? And then to come up with as many ways as you can think of that you take a clear, firm, passionate, meaningful stand on your teaching. So I would actually like you to spend a few minutes doing that before we break. Making some notes either on this sheet or in your whatever you have to write on. And then how can you embody the vision that Joseph Pilates had for people to truly love and appreciate their lives by being unfailingly dedicated to their own health? And then this is the quote, this is from your health, the, the second little book. Generally speaking, the less the average person merely talks about health, the better it is for his health. Not only is health a normal condition, but it is a duty not only to attain, but to maintain it. How many of us, or rather how few of us, realize what life really is? And so again, to me, this resonates on the self-care, self-practice level of like, we we take it for granted, right? We really do, that we have a human body. It becomes effortful, it becomes punishments, we're making up for something, we have to go to the gym. Um, but that health is meant to be the normal state of things, right? Not ill health. And I feel like culturally, perhaps, <coughs> we begin to feel like ill health is the normal state of things, right? And so all we're doing is constantly trying to combat things. It's not totally untrue, but it's a point of view or a mind state that I think is important to look at. So just this idea that like, don't take it for granted. You do have a duty to take care of yourself as best you can. And so how, how do you feel like you're either doing that or not doing that? You have resistance to that. You, you do it easily. You do it, but it's a struggle. And then how does that translate? How does your experience of taking care of yourself translate to how you can actually take care of your students or encourage them to take care of themselves. Right? Because we don't actually want our students to be 
beholden to us. So that is also not the point of Pilates. It is not the point to get people to come in and pay us lots of money twice a week, three times a week, all the time. I mean, of course, it's our livelihood, we want to. But it is the point to make them in, like independent, mm -hmm. right? to teach them, to educate them, and to help them find their own internal motivation and drive to take care of themselves. So, and I feel like this is the, this is the big tipping point for people doing home practice or not doing home practice. If you have a responsibility to take care of your health, you do. If not for you, then for the people who depend on you. But still, for you. So if we can't do it, we really can never expect other people to do it. You can pretend. Probably get away with pretending. But that's kind of down the road. So how do you do that? How do you not do that? Come up with several ways you are an example of this and are not. Not to be self-deprecating or, you know, mean to yourself, dishonest. Does it feel important to embody this aspect of the Pilates philosophy in order to be an effective teacher? And then how can you use the Pilates principles to achieve one of the primary goals of Pilates, the balance of mind and body? So maybe this is a question just to take home with you later to consider. How are you using the Pilates principles to promote actively, maybe not like entirely overtly, but actively promoting this development of body and mind. So that will be maybe a take home question.